righty, all righty. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Hacker with the Hacker Outdoors podcast. Today, I'm joined with Joey McCormick, and we are without Brian Hacker, who is out gallivanting in the city of New York, um, doing whatever it is he's doing. Uh, we have been really bad at doing this. That's my fault. Not, <laughs> not Joe's, not Brian. Well, we can blame Brian a little bit too, because he's not here, I guess. Um, but you know, uh, I did record something actually solo last week and then I just didn't post it. I don't know. It was like 10 minutes of just rambling and talking about people's stupid social media posts about uh, fishing here in New Jersey. So it was like, you know, what? I'm not going to be a Karen. I'm not going to do it. Uh, but we will talk about that a little bit today. And a heck of a lot has been going on. Um, for those of you who follow us on the socials, you've probably seen in the past few weeks that Joe's been doing a couple tournaments and he had an amazing tournament last weekend um, down in, I'm going to, Hartwell was it? Lake Hartwell? Lake. Uh. Well, Joe's tangled up in his, in his headphones there, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who cannot see this. My sunglasses are in the way. It was Lake Hartwell. So, <clears throat> Lake Hartwell. And for those of you who don't know, can you tell us where Lake Hartwell is? So it's between South Carolina and Georgia in the western part of the state. Um, Clemson, where Clemson is, I think that's pretty much where it starts in South Carolina, around Clemson. I forget the name of that town right there. It goes all the way down in Georgia. We launched out of the Georgia side, um, absolutely beautiful lake. Um, th there's points where you're fishing on there where you, on the I guess you're on the Georgia side where you can see like the Great Smoky Mountains over the lake. It, it, it's 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 really beautiful. Um, yeah, it's a uh, beautiful country down there, man. It's it one was, of those places. That lake is is extremely beautiful. Uh, that was definitely. Something that stuck out to me, how gorgeous it was, and really how gorgeous the western part of South Carolina is. A lot of people don't know the coast is, you know, visit the coast, but but the western part of South Carolina is just absolutely gorgeous. Just so many world-class fisheries there, too, that it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. So, so here you go. The old Wikipedia. Lake Hartwell is a man-made reservoir bordering Georgia and South Carolina and encompassing parts of Savannah, Tougaloo and the Seneca Rivers. Lake Hartwell is one of the Southeast's largest and most popular recreation lakes. The lake is created to construction of the Hartwell Dam completed in 1962 and located on the Savannah River seven miles below the point at which the Tougaloo and Seneca Rivers join, from, join to form the Savannah. Sorry, I'm a little blind today. Extending 49 miles up to Tougaloo, blah, 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 blah. The entire Hartwell yeah, project contains 76,450 acres of land and water. Wow. It's huge. We took off from Tougaloo, um, which is in an area called Livonia, Georgia. It's L-A-V-O-N-I-A, Georgia. So, yeah, it's absolutely m mammoth. I mean, you could get on the Savannah River and go literally all the way to savannah you know so savannah new jersey of course savannah new jersey yes yes thank, thank you thank you for thank you for clarifying that that's a long river <laughs> oh yeah it's very long and it runs it actually runs south to north the flow of the river it's so bizarre yeah i thought the nile was the only place on the planet no, that did no, the that. savannah yeah. new jersey river does that but um absolutely uh -huh. gorgeous and like i said i guess when, when you're down that 
there was one spot we were at a couple times where, I mean, you could see the Smoky Mountains in the background, just big peaks of the Smokies. Because there's there's parts down there that have really high peaks down south, and gorgeous, really clear water, deep. Um, so a lot of spots. So I was going to ask about this. So, you know, there are a few different species of bass here on the East Coast. I'm sure there's many more that I don't know of. Um, so, you know, typically sportsmen were going after largemouth, we're going after smallmouth, right? And then when we talk about these, uh, these sea running creatures, right? You have black, you have sea bass, and then you have striped bass. So striped bass are you know, in the rivers, they're in the, you know, some of these other bodies of water. Um, and then from there you have hybrid bass, which can be any combination here in New Jersey that's typically going to be striped bass hybrids with, I believe it's largemouth. Um, and those are stocked in places like Lake Apacon. Um, but then Florida is known, you have peacock bass. Um, and then you have, what am I missing here, Joe? Well, there's all the, there's peacock. There's largemouth, there's smallmouth, there's spots, there's spots. Um, red eye, like some people call them rock bass. Mm -hmm. um, you have the fresh redder stripers, then you have the hybrids. Um, there's also, they're down fishing in Texas and Houston. Those are called, um, God, bass. Houston. It's a Spanish name, Guadalupe bass. Guadalupe, yes, yes. Aguada. So, yeah, but, but in the hierarchy of outdoorsmen and, and sportsmen, you know, we're, we love to oh. target smallmouth, right? So that's yep. the biggest fighters. But for some reason, what is it with Lake Hartwell with these, you said spotted bass? Spotted bass, a lot of lakes down there in, in those mountains, reservoirs have spotted bass in it. And spotted bass, when you look at it, it looks like a largemouth. Um, but it's got a smaller mouth. It's got like a real small mouth. Um, the lines on the, the spotted bass too are like, they almost look like they're like, they're really pretty, like almost like they're computerly drawn on there. And there, there's a difference in one of their fins too. Um, well, I would say it almost looks like Digicam for those of you who know it's digital camera yeah. looks like. Yeah. Like Digicam, exactly. And then like the, up at the top of the bass I have in my screen um, on up the top either like their pectoral fin there's like these different lines up there too that make them different but the big thing is like the size of their mouths they're just so small and they're mean i mean they fight like a small mouth absolutely mean bass like when i was reaching the live well to get my fish out to put them in the bag they like try to bite you like i mean they're mean mean and they fight but hartwell has large mouth spot in and small mouth somewhere on there um, I think spots, you know, the, the, the predominant, predominant, uh, bass in there. There we, there we go. That's the word we were looking for. Yeah, my brain's not working too well right now. <laughs> it's all right, man. With long, long day. It's, uh, later I'll say in the day for us. Um, and some of us have been up since four thirty, So that's, that's, yeah, that's really, yeah. I mean, they're, they're gorgeous fish. Like, like you said, like, like the camo thing we were saying, like just, the way their lines are, I mean, they're just absolutely beautiful, and they fight like can't believe. Um, so, so take us through the tournament. So, the tournament was Hartwell, and it was on Saturday or Sunday this past week. Saturday, we launched Saturday. 
first flight was at 6.30. I think I was third flight. So we, you know, we were taking off on the water probably 6.50, let's say, and we were due back in at three. Um, okay. Absolutely beautiful day. High sky, bluebird day. I think it was like 80 degrees. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. And um, somebody was telling me spots really like clear, clear skies. You know, when, when it gets overcast, they say this, the, the bite kind of dies with this spot. But um, there are crazy fish that, that they'll school up and they bust like you wouldn't believe. You'll see them just all of a sudden, like just start schooling and just breaking the water everywhere. And guys will throw like topwater spooks or like any type of topwater walking bait. And they just, they'll come up and they'll smack it three or four times all the way back to the boat. Sometimes they won't even take it. They're just smacking it. You know, it's like with the bait fish, they'll smack it and try to injure it and come back and get it. I mean, they're just ultra aggressive bass. Um, so like I said, we were third flight. Um, you pulled up the first spot and, and there was quite a bit of activity on the top. Um, my boater, he was throwing a topwater uh, spook, like a spook junior. Second cast, he had a fish hit the water. You know, spook hit the water. Fish comes up, knocks it. Kept reeling because you're supposed to keep reeling. You know, that fish the whole time was just following, just smacking that spook, smacking and wouldn't eat it. Uh, for a little bit, I, I threw I threw a topwater bait for about ten minutes. I was like, you know what? That happened to him like three or four more times. They just weren't committing to it. They were just kind of smacking it around. So it's you know what. I, I'm going finesse. I'm going with what I know works and what catches fish. And let me tell you, from that point on, all day I was catching fish, all day long, just catching spots. I, I must have called four to six times, which um, in, in tournament fishing you're allowed five five best fish, and calling basically means you caught another fish and you got to go through yours and pick out the smallest and replace it with that. And I did that about four to six times. And the heartbreaker is about five to 10 minutes left in the day before we had to be back in. I hooked up with one that was every bit four to five pounds spot. I mean, I saw it in my own two eyes. Absolutely humongous. Had it on the line. Fought it for about four or five minutes. Got to the boat. Guy had the net ready to go. I mean, we almost had to the top of the water. Took back off down to probably about 30 feet under the boat. I was bringing it back up and somehow got off the hook. Needless to say, a lot of expletives were said, and I usually don't do that. Uh, I usually don't get get like that when I fish, but like I said, it was five minutes left, and that fish would have won me the tournament. That would, that would have been Lunker, and that would have won the tournament for me. And uh, that was a heartbreaker. It happens. You just usually want to have it happen earlier in the day so you can kind of rebound from it. But... You know, I, I didn't do anything wrong. To, you know, a hundred times I would have caught that fish 99 times out of 100. Um, I think that spot was on the bed. So I, I, I'm i not sure if maybe he just didn't swallow it as good as the other, the other spots I was catching because other spots were absolutely inhaling my bait. I mean, inhaling it. But with that one, I flipped up to the shore where I, I saw what I thought was a bed. And as soon as it hit the water, it was on. So I'm guessing... She was on a bed, and maybe she just didn't get it all the way. But the spot bite is 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 way different than than largemouth and smallmouth. Like with what I was throwing, I was throwing a drop shot. With a drop shot, a largemouth or a smallmouth, you know, they just eat it. 
and, and that's it. These things will just cut, they come up and just like, boom, boom, boom. Just like peck at it, peck at it, peck at it. And maybe eventually they'll eat the whole thing. But it's just, it's just really weird bite, you know, but fun, absolutely addictive. Yeah, that's, that's tough, man. That's always a tough pill to swallow. Um, I, yeah. it was huge. <laughs> when I tell you it was huge, this is not, it's not know, a fisherman, fisherman tall tale. exaggerating. Yeah. yeah. This was the one. And in every tournament you have that, you know, they, they say when you have a good bag going, there's always that one fish, like that makes a difference. And that would have been the different make the difference maker right there. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, a four pound spot is a, a big fish. Um, the, the bite's been slow down south too. Like it's been up here because the water temperatures are still really, really cool down there. Um, 68 was probably the highest I saw. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, we were talking about it. I've been having a bit of a frustrating time fishing, right? Like, once again, I, I think I'm, I'm locked on when it comes to trout. You know, I think I'm up to six trout so far for the season. And, and I just started trout fishing two weeks ago. So I didn't, I, I let the <laughs> craziness of opening day kind of surpass everyone. And, and I, I begin my, my season then, um, you know, started some new waters. Uh, first day, I just could not connect with these monster rainbow trout and um, the water is perfect for them right now. Um, you know, the, what I've noticed is, and it's kind of a weird thing is, you know, I never really looked at the way that the clouds are reflecting onto the water. I've never really paid attention to, you know, the bluebird days, but I have noticed that there's definitely a difference in fishing on specific days like that. Um, so for, for me, the, best trout days so I've been trout fishing three times um, the best trout day was definitely overcast right um, and the bite seemed to turn on when the clouds came in ever so slightly because that's when the hatch happened and all the little mayflies started dancing on the freaking surface of the water and that set off every species of fish in this river that I was fishing on um, contrarily or on, on the flip side you know I did musky fishing again. Um, Donna came with me and uh, we went up to the spot that I've been going to. And um, it was one of those weird days. I, I don't really like it was kind of humid, but cold and windy and like looked like it was going to rain. And in my eyes, I was like, this is going to be a good day for musky fishing, right? It's, it's just enough time after a full moon where they should still be active. And, you know, obviously, you know, work situation can't necessarily just be taking off on random days now to go fishing on the perfect days but um you know it was a weekend weekend night and um there was no busting on the water it was i don't know if they're on beds now um remember last time i think i talked about this on the show you actually saw muskies leaping through the air out of the water like missiles and just demolishing something i have no idea if they were hitting insects or what what the heck they were going for um the, what i did notice was as the water started to kind of subside a little bit from the from the wind the wind would die down for a couple of minutes um the tree swallows were absolutely everywhere if you follow me on instagram you see pictures of tree swallows there had to have been probably a thousand tree swallows on this lake and they're absolutely beautiful birds so donna was in heaven she's staring at these birds and taking photos and everything and i'm, I'm fishing for my muskie 
um, shore fishing because it was too windy, didn't want to take the canoe out. Um, so when subsided, all of a sudden you start to see a little bit of a hatch happening, right? Like an insect hatch. And that triggered the tree swallows to come out onto the water and start diving down and hitting these insects as they were landing on the water. Now that conversely started a little bit of a, a little bit of a hatch for these bait fish that were living in there that were also trying to get the, the, um, the mayflies or whatever it was that was hatching, um, which then concurrently you started to see the currents kind of going behind them. But this was all happening in the middle of the lake. If I think if, if I was out on the, on the canoe or a kayak or something like that, it probably would have been a different situation. Um, but absolutely nothing. I mean, I think I'm up to probably a thousand casts, maybe a little bit more uh, out of my 10,000 casts. Yeah. yeah, so I, I'm, I'm quietly confident we'll get there. Um, You'll get there. But we went. You'll catch one, and you're not trying to catch one. That's how it always works. A hundred. One 100%. bass species we forgot to mention was the mean mouth bass. Mean mouth. Mean mouth. Mean mouths oh. are a hybrid species. Is when a large, a large or a spotted bass mate with a small mouth. Huh. Um, you can catch mean mouth and weigh them in bass tournaments. And and they're they're down south, but well, muskies. I don't know. The only yeah. time I've ever seen somebody catch muskies when they weren't trying to catch muskies. <laughs> I think that's what it's going to come down to. So, so I did tell you, I, you know, I don't remember if I brought it up in the last podcast, but I did, I had a muskie on the line and it was because I got annoyed of muskie fishing. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do some finesse fishing and try and catch a bass because at least, you know, catch something, right? Like you don't want to be on the right. water for a few hours and not get anything. And sure enough, like, you know, how a bass hits, you know, the difference. And this is, this is a large mouth lake. So, you know, knowing how a large mouth fights, this was not a large mouth. Um, something was ferociously ripping line and um, just ripped right off of it. I don't know what the heck happened, but anyway, we muskies have those teeth. I mean, they can do that. Yeah. Well, I, he didn't, you know, it, nothing was I told wrong. you by the time I caught the pike by accident, I had a huge pike on. Yeah. It was on one of my favorite <laughs> swim jigs, and I hate pickerel and pike. I had it to the boat, and the pike just went like this. Yeah. Yep. The line, put... and my swim jig stuck in his head. <laughs> I, I, put, in a way, I'm like, <sighs> I put the, um, the steel leader on, so that should protect it. Um, and I, my issue was that I was using a rubber worm, and I don't think that he or she took the the hook. It was on the worm itself, so the worm was a little demolished. But it is what it is. Worms easily replaceable. I hate to have to you know retie everything on after the fact. That's the thing. The weird thing with spot is they can chew your worm, like because they have teeth. They have like this yeah. like, a, like when you when you lip them, you can feel like how much more teeth they have than regular ones, and and they can like bite chunks of your worm off. It's the craziest thing because. You know, large mouth and small mouth usually don't. I, I can't recall really that I have ever having that happen. But so you, but you, 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 you would have been going for the gar that were down there because we saw gar. I mean, no lie. When Brennan and I got there, we he always fishes from the docks because he's a weirdo like that, and he's the only guy I ever know who catches constantly catches fish from the shore. There are these gar. I mean, I, like I, I can't even show my hands how huge they were. Just paired together just swimming around there yeah humongous gar now are the, they're regular gar they're not alligator gar or i'm not, not sure I, yeah i'm sure they're a regular gar um but i mean they were humongous i'm Absolutely not even mad humongous. I, I that's on my list of things to catch 
like everything else. Um, you'd be, to look here. Yeah, I mean, there's huge. Oh, there is alligator guard in there. No, no, no crap. But that's, you'd be that's proud of me because I, I've been slowly but surely restocking some of my terminal tackle and some of my uh, my baits. Uh, I did, you know, big big camp trip coming up in Lake George. Um, the goal is to catch and cook. Uh, that's the lake trout salmon, and then they do have some other apparently delicious species in there, like walleye. Um, I don't know if walleye season is up yet, though. I have to check on that. Walleye is a good fish. Yeah, that's what everyone says, man. But, you know, I got some lures for that. Um, I am not bringing my fly rod this year. That's not... Uh, I learned my lesson last year, shore fishing. Although my buddy did go out and purchase uh, earlier in the season two kayaks. So he's bringing them on the boat with us. And then we're going to, from the island that we're camping at, we're going to have the ability to, or I should say, I'm going to have the ability to take the kayak and go out 20 feet to where the drop-off is. And it drops from, I think it's like five feet down to about 75 to 90 feet within 20 feet of the shore. So, um, God knows what's in there. Dude, I'm, I'm just going to take the kayak like 10, like I said, 10 feet, 20 feet off the, off the little rock wall there. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to jig at that 20 foot. And I'm just going to kind of guide along there or glide along there, along that, uh, that line. And we'll see what we catch. I mean, this place is pretty packed with some delicious fish and some fun fish. Um, and then nighttime, I'll be doing my bass thing. I, I can tell you from experience, like some people, you know, I, don't get me wrong. When I fish, I would love to be throwing a moving bait, like a, catch them on a moving bait, I should say, whether it's a crankbait, chatterbait. It's absolutely so fun to catch them like that. But a lot of times the fish don't bite that and no. finesse just flat out catches them. So if you ever go to a place and you want to catch fish, yeah. you know, finesse is usually the best way to, to to get them to start biting. If they start biting real well, then, then move to the other stuff. The guy I was with, my boater, this past Saturday, he was like, I can't believe this. Like You're <laughs> catching everything on that damn thing. Like I felt bad because he zeroed, but like yeah. he should have switch the finesse in the grand scheme of things like well you know how it goes though man and this is you're in the tournament fishing and it comes to catching fish i don't care how the hell i catch them no 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 i'm not saying that i I agree with you i don't care how i catch them as long as i'm catching them but but i get this is part of my problem and this is why i try to make it as easy as possible for me to change out whatever it is i'm using lore wise because when i in fishing, I get so freaking in the zone that like the one hour air quote here for a moment, since we're audio only air quote one hour that I promised I'd be on the river for turns into four or five hours and I haven't taken a sip of water, haven't gone to the bathroom, haven't had anything to eat, haven't checked my cell phone, and I haven't checked my I haven't switched out my lore unless I lost it, right? Because right. you get so in the freaking zone that you're just you I don't know, it's some primal, right? Like you, it's that hunting mentality. And even though you're not hunting a, an animal, like a land animal, you are so in tuned with what's going on around you that you're tunnel visioned. And that is a freaking cool thing, but it's also a pain in the ass thing because I'm sure I missed tons of stuff. I, I really I, kind of stopped myself trout fishing this past 
like two weeks ago or last week, whatever it was, and really like made sure that I took my time and, you know, tried different things, right? Like I was mending my line a little bit differently than I usually do, right? So making sure that the fly isn't being dragged downstream by my line, um, I'm mending my line and putting it up upstream from it. I was making sure that, you know, the dry dropper that I had on, um, you know, was presenting correctly. I was making sure that, you know, I was trying different things. And then when nothing was working, I said, all right, well, let me try a different technique that I usually don't do, which is swinging wet flies, right? So that's another technique as well. And I knew exactly where the fish were holding. And if I was presenting them with fish, this is what's good about sight fishing, right? Like when you can see where the fish are, you know, when you're not throwing the right stuff, right? If you can see that you've thrown them something and it's you, you're assuming that this is what they're going to be eating in the river and they don't even look at it, or maybe they just turn to it for a second and then look away, that's a clear indication it's time to switch. So that's what I kept doing. And I kept changing it out and changing it out because I said, you know, maybe it's something different. But then you always have the one knucklehead fish in the river because these are stocked trout in the one section that I was in. You know, they'll hit anything you throw at them sometimes. So it's like, you're like, oh, I'm going to keep throwing it because I just caught a beautiful rainbow. Um, you know, but that that one psychotic fish, you know, in my case, he was missing part of his cheek and jaw because he was probably caught so many freaking times that it just... Well, sometimes they won't eat, period. If you catch them at a time and they're not eating, they're not going to eat. It doesn't matter if you throw a T-bone steak at them, they're not going to eat it. Just, sometimes it's just a matter of getting there those feeding times like you know those feeding windows or, or when they're active but i i guess it benefits me because when i go out and i have eight rods seven eight rods and i try to get you know have my choices through the rods so i can just kind of cycle through and even then it's still not enough some days you know, most yeah. boaters will have like six to eight rods on their deck on each left and right but then underneath they have their rod lockers with, I don't know, 30, 40, 20 other rods ready to go. And well, that does make a difference. I, I, I'd agree with you. I think that that's something that needs to be done for people. Uh, you know, a little bit different if you're hiking into a spot and you're doing that's small it, yeah. river. Like, like usually I have my Tankara rod, which is a two-weight on my, on my pack, in my backpack. Um, but honestly, I got to tie on to that anyway. So I'd rather just use my, my main line. I've been trying to find a better way to actually, you know, set myself up for success before going out on the water, right? So last year, I introduced myself to the tippet ring. So the tippet ring is just something that, you know, you tie your tippet onto, um, to the fly line, and that just kind of makes changing out a little bit easier, Quicker, yeah. right? Um, now, the, the latest thing that I did was I, I met a guy on a river last year. And that sounds kind of strange. I met a guy on a river last year. And what he told me he does is he, he keeps little plastic bags and he wraps up whatever it is that he, like, you name the type of fly combination, single flies, dry droppers, you know, double nymphing, whatever. He has it set up and good to go where he just unwinds it ties it onto the tippet ring and then it's good to go rather than having to go in and tie, you know, snip off that, a little a piece of fly right line. Yeah. yeah. So, so I've tried it and, you know, I haven't found a good way to manage that. Um, I find that, you know, when I'm trying to un unravel it and begin tying it on, I wind up t 
tying knots, like little micro knots in it as I'm unwinding it. So it's like, you have to really wind it in a certain way. Or what I've been trying to do was as I, as I use up tippet, I'm keeping the little tippet um, holders, the little round holders, and I'm winding it into there and then saving those little rubber bands and putting the rubber band around it. Um, the only problem with that is, is you gotta then have a labeling system and then what are you gonna do? You're gonna walk around with 5,000 of those little circular things. It's Just a get little plastic bit- plastic bags around the plastic bag. Like, stick well, it in what your I, vest. So that's what I do when I go, when I go into Delaware and I do bass fishing, right? So in the summertime, I'm doing fly fishing, bass bassing from kayaks. And that's the easiest thing for me to do. I, I bring my my cooler, right, for lunch and drinks and everything else. And that's pretty much all I bring with me. Inside the cooler, I have a pair of pliers. I have a pair of, pair of wire cutters, just because, you know, you never know. And just little snips. And then, um, you know, I, I keep inside that bag, maybe five or six lines in plastic um, baggies. And that works really well. But for trout fishing, I haven't... I, I don't don't you have like a vest or something like where you could like stick the baggies in your like little vest or in your little it gets, it carry gets bag very nefarious so so I keep so I got the you know chest waders right mm-hmm. I'm still using Brian's because I'm not buying my own yet after ripping the last ones and um you have the external pocket and you have the internal pocket the internal pocket flips out and it, it's a waterproof pocket so that's where you keep your phone typically um i'm usually taking phone pictures and everything like that i'm not really worried about getting my iphone wet because it's you know water resistant once again air quote. until so it breaks you take it in you're like oh it's been exposed to water because i've had that happen to me i'm like but uh, she says water resistant right. yeah but still it's exposed to water so we can't cover this one uh, I know, but so anyways, it's a little bit easier to get out of that pocket. Um, and it's not very, it's a weird pocket. So keeping a lot of things in there, like I keep, I keep the snips. I stopped wearing my fishing vest because I felt like it added a layer of just crap for me to get tangled in to like feel like uncomfortable, especially since I have it zipped up and I'm still using the pocket here and then you tucked it in and it's useless anyway. So it, I haven't found a good way to do it and it, that works for me because I like bringing right. a backpack with me once again because I, I bring other things sometimes I bring my camera with me because I see all sorts of cool things while I'm out on the water um, so I'm not going without a backpack um, I just wish I found a backpack that actually worked a little bit better um, I know there's some fishing ones that are out there that are slings I don't really like slings I don't feel comfortable wearing them um, I do like a lot of the features of them how they have the spots for the you know your tippet um how they have spots for your scissors and everything else but um we'll get there and it's all but that's what we do is it's experimentation right it's uh every time you go out you try something a little bit different and see what yeah, works for you and pretty much i mean it's not much different you know brennan brennan and I, i'm always trying to figure out ways to take because i'm going how to get my gear in smaller form without feeling like i i, I don't have something i need you know because the last thing you want to be do is out be out there fishing a tournament and not have that one worm or that one bait that or that one color scheme they're biting on so it's, it's always kind of the goal to how how to get all that condensed down to a smaller manageable way all my yeah. soft plastics i keep in ziploc bags like all the ziploc bag like will be a drop shot bag one will be a trailer bag one will be a swim bait bag I put them in a grocery bag, like one of those like usable grocery bags. And I take that with my tackle bag. 
See, that seems to work, but yeah, that's kind of what what I do. So it, when we went bass fishing and Donna lost those three, those three uh, bass, she's probably the most talented fisherwoman I've ever met that doesn't realize she's talented. But anyway, um, minus the losing them, of course, but we won't. We won't it happens. I mean, it yeah, happens. It's the best one. Yeah. I felt so bad because there was, I didn't realize there's two young kids behind me. <laughs> I, was, I dropped about 10. <laughs> F bombs, like, oh my god, dude, yeah. that I cannot explain to you that feeling. Cause, I mean, that that fish cost me a good bit of money, you know. Yeah. And yeah, the last couple minutes of the day, you know, if it was the middle of the day, I'd be like, don't worry, I'll get another one. I, right. I never let that bother me, but the last couple minutes of the day, like, there it was, there it was, and there it goes. Yeah, I she, she I takes it very well. I have a video of her losing it. I won't post it, but maybe I'll share it with you at some point and you can see how yeah. bad she was. I mean, there is definitely nothing more frustrating than losing a fish. Um, I could only imagine how that's exacerbated when you lose a fish during a tournament. Um, and you Especially when you know it's, it's not necessarily, there, there's nothing you did for you to lose that fish. You know, there's certain ways when you're fishing lighter line techniques that you can lose a fish you can lose it by horsing it because you know you're throwing six pound eight pound test you can't just be ripping that fish around do that you can't lose it you can't and you gotta work the fish i mean you, you can if you want but you're gonna be dropping a lot of f-bombs i down do the line. Drop, i do i do when we were fishing last almost a year ago now um manhandling you, one see, of you need fish. like straight like 65 pound braid because then you can just wrench on them you know it's not to like so i you know we talked about this a little bit and i had a conversation with one of the one of the guys who follows me and i follow him on instagram and we were talking about how you know he was saying how he likes to play the fish a little bit more now and i said you know the goal for me is always to get the fish in as quickly as possible and it's not just to minimize the risk of losing the fish it's the less the fish has to fight, the more likely the fish is going to survive after, right? So get it in quickly, of course, unless you're pulling it from the depths and you don't want it to get, you know, the bends, um, you know, get them in as quickly as possible. And, and sometimes it requires a little bit, you know, I want to say that not manhandling, but, you know, you got to really get them in. Um, don't let, don't let them play. Don't let them pull too much. You know, obviously, you know, when you're going after larger species, you know, they say actually, it's the opposite. I remember doing um, fishing trip down in uh, Isla Mirada, and the captain, you know, was getting annoyed with me. He's like, "You gotta stop like deadlifting these fish off the bottom of the ground." We we were going for tarpon, but you catch shark literally every time you freaking cast, cast anything. So oh, yeah, I, I think I, we caught like like close to thirty freaking sharks in the span of four hours. But like, I. I how to put this delicately like i'm pretty sure i could deadlift one of those sharks off the ground and i have like you know i was lifting them with the rod and they were getting so mad at me they're like you gotta let him fight or her fight and just reel in when they when they came up and it's like well why would i do that like if i can literally lift them out of the water why would i do that um and again these weren't massive sharks these were like maybe 70 pound sharks so it's like you can do it plus they're underwater so they're kind of weightless right so i don't know uh, <laughs> I think trout are different because small, like large mouth, small mouth, you, you don't, when you're using a lighter line <clears> techniques, you, you don't want to just wrench them in when you're using lighter line. And I'm not lighter. saying wrench them in. You're not like, you're not, yeah, there's, there's a times, fine line. Yeah. It depends on the line. Like when I'm finesse fishing, no, I'm using like a medium 
fast rod you know that's a noodle and you know you could snap it like that you could lose the fish yeah I, I guess trout are different like you know i saw that whole stupid video on youtube about how 80 percent of fish caught in bass tournaments stay where they're released there's no <laughs> way that is true because I, I don't believe it i don't believe it i think it's a bs video because let me tell you where we take off for bass tournaments hundreds of other bass tournaments take off there every year of these major yeah. lakes that would mean the area where you take off would, would be literally piles and piles and piles of fish uh, so that that's another conversation for another day because i've heard people say like oh they all stay here 80 percent of them yeah. uh-uh. no they don't well let's well let's talk about this for a second right so like you know going back to what where we started for a moment you know social media is the bane of existence in so many ways um you know i, I was talking a little bit about just these fishing groups that I belong to on Facebook, for example. And I'm, you know, I'm just a casual reader of them. I don't post anything in there. I don't comment on anything on there because quite honestly, most of these people are just looking to rally people up and get them all kind of crazed. So um, there was actually a guy who posted a couple photos on one of the groups and he was showing dead trout floating downstream. And it's like, you know, well, number one, it's like, it's catch and release, you know, for a species that you're being stocked, right? And they're non-native species. Is that really a good, a good thing to do? Which is an honest question, I guess. Um, and then there's the other people who are some guy called them meat hogs. So guys that could just go to the holes that they're stocked in and they they yank out as many freaking fish as you possibly can. Um, for example, I'm on here right now. I just I, I pulled it up and this guy posted an hour ago. Um, you know, it just wanted to alert everyone of course on here that he caught six trout i think it's six and he has them hanging from stringers and he's like just for your information for those of you starting to cart trying to start crap the limit of four doesn't start until june 1st so we can catch up to six and keep six now which is an exorbitant amount of fish in my opinion in a single outing but but it is and um, i don't think fresh little trout probably taste that great they taste like crap joe right so i don't know why yeah that, that's one thing I've always wondered why people catch them, eat them all the time. Like, why do you need to take six? Right. If you're I, poor and you have a family of six to feed, then yeah, sure. It's a different but... story. But but I I don't like the way they taste. And a lot of the guys in the forum seem to have the same feelings I do, which is interesting. Well, if you're um, cooking a fish and soaking it in lemon and butt, I well, mean. That's a different, like if you're going to fry it and I don't know. You know, like, it, I don't think there's any reason to take six trout at a time. No, I, I agree with you. And it's like, we okay, you're going to freeze it and you're going to have, you know, this plasticky pellety tasting fish someday down the line. Like, I don't, it doesn't do it for me. And don't get I me wrong, I like eating money, fish. Right. That would be the same person who would go out tomorrow. If you caught another six, you would keep another keep six. Them. Yeah, 100%. That, that's kind of what I've, people <clears throat> I've known who've done that, it kind of seems like what they do that, Every time they go out, they're trying to get that limit. And how much of that, like you said, gets frozen and doesn't get ate? Probably a good bit. Well, I think, you know, not to get all all crazy here for a moment, but I, I wanted to kind of go back to the actual thing that I was going to talk about is, um, you know, I've mentioned some of the craziness that, you know, these people in, in this insane state talk about and, and do. And um, there's the 
age old thing of, you know, you're holding fish and you're holding them out way out in front of you and you pretend that it's the world's biggest freaking trout or right. biggest whatever the heck you caught. And, you know, I'm all for taking photos, you know, catch photo release, you know, catch photo keep if you can keep it, whatever, whatever you want to do with it, as long as it's within reason, go, go ahead and do it right legally. Um, so this this guy who constantly posts on there is always doing that, you know, like, let me hold my arms out and make this fish look massive. And someone commented and said, you know, the guy had said that it was a wild tiger or native wild tiger trout or something to that effect. And someone called him out and was like, I'm a state biologist. There's no such thing as a native trout besides the brook trout to New Jersey, number one. Number two, you can tell that's not a wild trout based upon its fins. And they got into an argument and this guy was claiming that he was a state biologist or a biologist of some sort. And it was just absolutely hysterical listening to and reading people coming out of the woodworks talking about like all these crazy species of things. And it's like, you really go on social media to argue about things. Like, I, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything. No, I, no, no, no. I'm still learning everything. There are times when I like, like I, <laughs> prime example sometimes i catch a fish and i have to take a picture and I send it to you or send it to my brother I said what the heck is this like i i said in the video that i posted on youtube i was like i think this is a uh what is a pumpkin seed all right like i don't know anything about freaking panfish and then i was like you know what let me let me google this first right like let me google it oh okay it's a red breast beautiful had no idea they even existed right exactly. learned something learned something new today and if i had posted that and someone had argued with me and said like no that's a red breast you said it was a it was a pumpkin seed i'd say oh cool you know i had no idea i've never caught one before that's great i can add it to my list of species that i've now caught with my fly rod fan freaking tastic why do you have to argue about it on social media it's just mind numbing like just take it take the l and walk away, man. Like you learned something. L in both ways. You lost and you learned. So, I don't know. Some uh, people uh, like the social media arguing because it makes them feel special inside. Uh, it just drives me insane. But like, I, I don't like. Here you go. He just posted a bit. <laughs> like the thing is, like, with, this guy put this video on YouTube, and he claims he's a biologist, and he claims that eighty percent of all bass catched and caught in bass tournaments. Yeah. stay where they were released and that is not the case i have <laughs> heard uh, heard from the mlf biology biologist that that no that is not true and i've heard from other biologists not true and i know it's not true because like i said oh dear lord <laughs> the well, spanish not. mackerel in the delaware we're not we're not um sharing video on this so i i just pulled up one of the posts of the guys there you go Oh, baby. First salt trip. I love it. Light tackle. All right. That's a quote unquote gator right there, boys. But, you know, everything looks like a gator if you hold it out in front of you. Anyway, sorry. Oh, yeah, dude. That's um, my favorite thing to do. Like joking around like, you know, there's pictures of me. I like hold them out like this and it makes them look like five pounders, of course. Yeah, I think this was it. Hold on. Uh, go, go ahead, Joe, while I pull this up. But, but you know, they say that study that they all stay there. Which, like I said, I know it's not true because when we fish these big lakes like Hartwell, Santee, or the Upper Bay, everybody, every tournament that's there, and there's tons and tons and tons of tournaments, release their fish all in the same area. <clears throat> that would mean that area would just be literally just stacks and stacks of bass on top of each other. It is not. It's not. 
do they stay where they're released for a little bit and then go back out? They sure do. Well, that's this, that's one of the common misconceptions with fish, right? Is that they're non-moving. Like like this guy posted a photo. It, it was a beautiful, beautiful rainbow trout, like gorgeous. And it's like he's, they were like, oh my God, you just told everyone where the fish is. And it's like, do you really think the fish is still there three days later? Like They move. I can right. tell you smallmouth move constantly. I can tell you largemouth move constantly too. I mean, people just think the fish just stay like uh, they just get born there and stay there. That's not that's not the case. They move constantly. Here, here, here you go. This guy, this guy's calling them out here. Right, what we're gonna do is let's wrap this up and then uh, okay, yep. I'm gonna continue to shoot the shit with you. Oh, shoot the crap with you. How's that sound, Joe? Sounds always good. a pleasure. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us and. Uh, Hope to join you next week. So, uh, Joe, always a pleasure. You too, man. All right, stay on. Yeah, hold on one second. I gotta run to the kitchen. Hold on one second. Yeah. yeah, yeah.